Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Svarim Chatter Podcast. On this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be joined once again by Professor Fryam Kannerfogel, who is the E. Billy Ivory University Professor of Jewish History, Literature, and Law at Yeshiva University. We'll be discussing a different Baal Taisvis, and we'll be discussing the Arzurah, Rabbi Yitzchak bin Reisha of Vienna, and his uh, classic say for Arzurah. I want to mention at the beginning that this episode is being sponsored once again by a good friend of the podcast, Glock Plumbing. Uh, service division. So for all your service needs in New Jersey, give them a call, 732-523-1836, extension 1. So thank you, Professor Canafogel, for joining me once again. It's a great pleasure, and thank the sponsor again. Thank you. Thank everyone. Thank the wonderful audience. Okay, so let's start off, tell the audience, who is the Arzurur, Bishak of Vienna? When did he live? Who did he study okay. under? Good. So Rabbi Yitzchak Moshe Orzarua. Uh, was born, it seems, or comes from what he calls Eretz Kena'an. Uh, where is Eretz Kena'an? So a couple of ways to go. I'll do it quickly. Either Slavic lands, meaning close to Eastern Europe, you know, what we might call Hungary or Bohemia, or Eretz Kena'an, Hagar, again, a shivcha. So it's another way of saying from what we would call not, we'll get yet tonight, unfortunately, to Ukraine in, in one little point, but not that far over, but somewhere, what we would call Bohemia, somewhere in that area. That's where he was born. Um, however, he is what we call peripatetic. He went moving around. He not wandered. He didn't blunder, but he quite uh, consciously uh, learned first with several leading German Bali Hatosfis, uh, the Ravia is one, Rabbi Elizabeth Yahalevi. Um, Ravia dies around 1225 or so. Uh, his even stronger German Rebbe, if I can say that, he he refers to him as he lived in his house for a number of years, Reb Simcha Mishpira, who I've talked about, I think, on the podcast as the most important German Baal HaTosis was never quoted by Tosis. Again, these, the Ravia's big Sefer we have, Sefer Halacha, Sefer that goes on Shas too. Reb Simcha Mishpira, we only have pieces. He learned with them in Germany. He also learned with Rabuda Hassan in Regensburg. Uh, so he learned with them in the Rhineland. He learned with Rabuda Hassan in Regensburg. He's all over. He also learned, I'm not going to mention all the names, with several other German Balayatosis and Rabbanim Chashuvim, including in Würzburg. Um, it doesn't seem that he learned with Rebelazar of Worms face-to-face, but he considers himself a Talmud. Um, but then, but wait, there's more. But then he goes to northern France and he learns in Paris with Rabbi Huda Sirleon, who's a student of the Re, a young student of the Re, but a very strong student of the Re, tells Rabbi Yudha Brachas and other things. And even with what's called, the one who's called Hassar Mikutsi, Rabbi Shimshon Mikutsi, uncle of the Smog. Anyway, his dates are approximately, and that's all we can do. He dies somewhere around 1250 or 1255. He's born somewhere around 1180 or 1185, but even from this brief survey, the Orzarua, one of his calling cards is he's got tremendous material from the Baleatosis in both Germany and northern France. So there's a, a Mizug in a Shiluv. It's not automatic. It's not set. But he will bring material from all of these Rebbeim, from all of these centers. And if we can say, if we remember from our last podcast about the Mordechai, the Mordechai died in 1298. So the Mordechai has the entire 13th century and before at his disposal. The Orzarua has the first half of the 13th century. The Svarim are not dissimilar, but not identical. We'll talk about shortly. The Orzarua works with topics, even though it's topics following Masechus, but it's not a seriatim treatment of all of Shas. But in that very big sefer, he's got Homer from all of these 
Tzavot, all of these, you know, places everywhere and everywhere in between. I'll give some key examples. And so the richness of the material is remarkable. And as we'll see, he preserves stuff from France that we don't have otherwise. He preserves Homer from Germany that we might not have otherwise, despite the fact that a lot of these Baliatosas wrote and some of these things survived. So that's the basic contour of his lifetimes and geographic scope. And again, this wandering is, um, uh, you know, this is what Tamidei Chachamim did. Uh, they learned, you know, one place, they went to the next godel, and so on and so forth. Also, very important point about the wandering. Again, if people remember from the podcast, I think especially one on Bali HaTosfis, um, in Rabbeinu Tam's day, Rabbeinu Tam dies in 1171, so he's early, just to give a perspective. In Rabbeinu Tam's day, many students came from Germany to learn with Rabbeinu Tam. They went back to Germany. So there's a lot of what we'll call cross-fertilization, pollination. After Rabbeinu Tam's death in 1171, that stops happening. I think mainly because the German Baliatosas who learned with him teach his method in Germany. They don't come to France so much. That slows down. and It may have stalled. The Orzarua is Mahadeh. He basically breaks what I like to call, what scholars of Israel call the netek, this separation period between France and Germany again. And he says, let me get myself, not only from the German Balatosis, let me get myself to Gidole Talmide Hari and let me take as much French material back, uh, put in my safer as I can also. So this is this is really his calling card. Uh, he's not simply a putter togetherer. Uh, he's a more active author, I would say, if I can say that, the Mordechai, from whom we only hear once in a while, Aniha Mordechai, Aniha Cotton, the Orzur will say, Aniha Mechaber, and we'll talk about some of his own chidushim uh, as we go too. Now, yeah, now I want to jump in two, two things. First of all, you mentioned the Rebelazer of Worms earlier. You're talking about the Rekach. You know, that's the Rekach. Yeah, and another thing is, so how, how two two questions about Azra. How normal was it though for Baltazar especially to be such a wanderer? And second of all, you mentioned he came from like more Eastern Europe. I mean, how common was it in those days? We're talking 13th century. Right, so so two points. As far as the wandering, uh, Rabbeinu Tam had a whole group of excellent Talmidim, the Rivam, Rebbe of Regensburg, you know, almost household names, uh, who came from Germany, having learned with Rivav Spira, earlier, they came to Rabbeinu Tam. So again, in the earlier part of the period of Baliatosis, this was quote-unquote normal. It then stopped for a while. The Orzarua starts it up again, and he's joined by others. Marami Rutenberg ends up learning in Paris. You know, so in other words, later during Baliatosis. So the answer is, big God, though, it's very, very normal, right? The Rashi, I think, on a Pesach and Shirashirim about the Yonah, the Valgarin, Tamide Chacham, and they go from base Medrash to base Medrash. So, and again, even big distances. Uh, so there was a period where it was stopped, but the Orzeru was Dafka, one of the, again, you know, Chadei Shamenu Kikadam. He starts up that system. Uh, interesting question about Lazar uh, of Worms, Lazar Sefer Okeach. I mentioned Yudah Chassid. An interesting question that we'll see here too, the Orzerua is a Bal Halacha, and he will quote Rabbi Yudah Chassid in Halacha. He thinks he's a Baki in Hilchus Tefillin. He is. In other words, he'll quote him in Hilchus Tefillin. Rabbi Yudah Chassid had a specialty there, apparently. He may have written about it. He will quote Rabbi Yudah Chassid on appointing a Chazin more than Rabbeinu Tam, who he knows. Again, is that because a Chazin, Rabbi Yudah Chassid, is that, is that a, a, a Torah Tassod? Is that a Nigla? It seems to be a little bit of both. So there are times he will use the Chassidut, the Chassidus, and there are times that he doesn't. Um, the Etzem HaSefer, the name Orzarua comes up. Why is he known as the Orzarua? Because apparently he had an issue about writing a get for a, a husband named Akiva. And the question was, how do you spell Akiva? With an Aleph at the end or a He at the end? 
Machlok is Bavli Yerushalmi, right? The Hebraicized version spells it with a hey at the end. The uh, Aramaic version will spell it with an Aleph. And he had a Chalom. And in the Chalom, or Zeruah, he dreamed a Posik. What the Gdolim do in their Chalomos? They dream a Posik, right? He dreamed a Posik, or Zeruah, Latzadik, Liyishulayv Simcha, the Sofei Tevos of that Posik from beginning to end, spell out Rabbi Akiva. And how does Akiva end in that Posik with the word Simcha, the last letter of Simcha? Ahay. So apparently that gave from the impetus, he felt very close to that pasuk, and he opens this Sefer Halacha, coming back to Rebbe Lazar Okeach, because you mentioned it, he opens the Sefer Halacha with what's called an alphabeta. The alphabeta is a quasi-mystical parish on the Aleph base, not exactly Sefer Yitzir, not exactly alphabeta de Rabbi Akiva, but it is a mystical, or at least a quasi-mystical, a gematria and so extension on the Aleph base, including material from Sefer Hechalot, the Hechalos, which we'll talk about, which some German baliatosis used quite a bit, maybe even a few French, but some Germans especially. So there's always a, a, a Hasidic Ashkenaz overlay here, but it's not the dominant strand, but it's, again, part of this picture. And I'll just make one final point. This alphabeta as the introduction very much mirrors what Rabbi Lazar Okeach did in his Sefer Okeach. Sefer Okeach, Sefer Halacha, top to bottom. How does it start? Hilchos Hasidus, Hilchos Tshuva, sounds a little bit like Sefer Hamada and the Rambam. So there's all kinds of interesting hashpaut here. But this is the so so the Orza, the Orzarua is a German Balhatos, a student of German Balhatosis, Gidole German Balhatosis, Gidole Chachmeit Sarfat Balhatosis, Chasidei Ashkenaz, both in Halacha and in Hashkafa. There are tremendous Ramim here, and you have to always keep your eye on which strain is the one that he favors, and he he picks and chooses as he sees uh, the right way to go. Yeah, so that's that's as far as the Rebbelazer. Uh, now, what right now, now? The question of what about the the fact that he came from Eastern Europe? That seems pretty interesting for Baltasar. Oh, 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 good. Yes, I'm sorry. Correct. So there are communities already in these areas. Uh, I'm going to sound here like we'll do a little history lecture for a second. Uh, European Jewry in the 13th century is already starting to move from left to right. I don't mean that religiously. They're moving from Western Europe, the further, you know, the more Western parts of Europe, like Germany, in terms of the North, they're already starting to move a bit to the East. Europe is getting a little bit eisgespielt. First of all, there are some persecution issues in general, always there, unfortunately, but even just the, the uh, uh, you know, the land and the material. The by the way, uh, the non-Jews are starting to move too. So we tend to think, oh, all of a sudden, all the Jews left Western Europe and they landed up in Poland. It's not quite so. There's a slow but steady move already in the 13th century. So when he le- the reason that he comes from Eastern Europe to Western Europe to study right in Germany and France is because Eastern Europe is not yet kolkach mefutach. They don't have great yeshivas yet. But he knows if he wants to learn, he's got to get himself over to the leading yeshivas. By the time he goes back to that area, he, of course, becomes toward the end of his life, not the very end, but you know, later in life, the Rav of Vienna. Vienna was not such an ear of Aim Israel before he showed up there. There are Jews there, but I think he may be the first Zayar Choshever Rav of Vienna. He succeeded there by Rabbi Victor Katz, who we've talked about, who was close to the Marami Rittenberg also. So once he gets back to Vienna, Vienna is already a place 
And I'll mention a number of cases where he conducts business in East, you know, halachic business, learning business in that area. By the way, Rebuda Chassid, who moves from Spire to Regensburg, from the Rhineland eastward in Germany in 1195, there are those who suggest that he did that because there are all kinds of reasons mentioned, but there are those who suggest because his Talmidim, those who were closest with him, are starting to move east. So again, or as a rule, when he comes from the east, it's not quite yet what it became. Look, Rabbeinu Tam has, you know, Rihalovan coming from perhaps white Russia. He's got all kinds of Talmidim coming from Regensburg, Bohemia. So there were Talmidim there, but they're all coming west. By the time the Urzarul goes back east, there's already at Seaboard. And I'll say interesting, there's a very interesting truth. It's Rosh Chodesh, so we can say in Yonah um, the At one point, he just says, Agavorcha, that in his Kehillah, Ruvain Davin Shacharis, Shimon Lanes, and Levi Davin's Musaf. His point being that their Bekiyam, apparently, first of all, it means certainly for the Torah, they can read, they can read well, that you can't do, Oisavanik. But, you know, it seems that there are Balabatim there who already are, you know, certainly literate and, you know, perhaps on the way to being learned. So we get an interesting glimpse, you know, already in his day. On the other hand, uh, one of his chuvas, he's got some chuvas, of course, he wouldn't be a German balatos without some chuvas thrown in. One of his chuvas, uh, he presents a chuva between Rebeliezer of Bohemia, again, I don't mean the sticks, but further east, to Rebuda Chosid. The Shaila is, can we play? Can we pay our clay kodesh? In Ashkenaz, they didn't take money for, for positions, so to speak, in central Ashkenaz and east in Western Germany. But he's saying over here in this area in the east, we can't get good clay kodesh unless we pay them. So Rabbi basically says, if you must, you know, Ace Lassos, go ahead. But so the Orzarua is an interesting transition period where the East will become more Choshev, partly because he's back there. So that's the story of his movement. Yes? Good. Now, let me give you an example of how this comes all together. So, for example, first of all, um, as I mentioned before, Orzarua preserves material both from Germany and from northern France that nobody else has, from both places. For example, he quotes several times a safer by Rabbi Ephraim of Regensburg, the great German student of Rabbi Tam, a great godel, right? Sefer Arba Panim, a humongous Sefer Halacha of which we have a few references. So only, you know, he's one of the few to refer to it. Sort of more, um, how shall I say it, more available uh, in one of his psakim, and I'll talk about the structure of the Sefer, but one of his psakim to, to Seder and Ezekiel, he's got Piskei Bavakama, Bavmetziah, Bavabasra, and so on, Sanhedrin. He mentions a case about misdating a star. I have the date right, but the day wrong. You know, it's Yom, so-and-so, right? The day is right. The date is wrong. Is that just a star? I mean, if we have a ksuba like that, people pull their hair out. But is that star completely uh, invalid or can it be, you know, rechent? And he quotes there a roster of Chacham as follows. He quotes the Torah from Riva of Spire, who died in 1133, one of the first Baliatosis, as presented by his Talmudim in Germany, the Rivam of uh, Regensburg of Bohemia, or Bitzkel Mordechai, Reb Moshe ben Yoel of Regensburg. So he's got all these German positions, but they're Talmidim Rabbeinu Tam. So he throws Rabbeinu Tam in there too, and he cooks up an entire, a two-page stew, a Lumdesha, really a Lumdesha, you know, raid here, using all of these different areas. Most of these materials that he quotes, we have nowhere else. We certainly don't have them as fully. 
And, you know, that's the Mila, which is the Chisar, and as follows, the Mila is, he's a terrific recorder, and he, being a Godel, he's, it's all wonderful. It's a long Sefer. There's a lot of material. You have to wade through a lot of material to get to the punchline, right? So that's some of the way that uh, he gets involved with these kinds of things. Um, again, just to give you some, some hits, you know, hits in the sense of, of you know, learning hits, Lamdasha hits. Um, from his Rebbe Reb Simcha Mishpira, the Orzarua tells us a halacha on Hage that all Bali Tshuva should go to the mikveh. Now, originally, Reb Simcha Mishpira may have said that about those who went away from Judaism, who came back there, Bali Tshuva, he sends them to the mikveh Mishum Kapora. It becomes adopted, though, in Hilchus Rosh Hashanah, Hilchus Yom Noroyim. All Bali Tshuva, all the men go to the mikveh. That comes from Simcha Mishpira, as re- and not we don't have it in his words, but it's as recorded in the Sefer Orzarua. Without the Orzarua, we would not know as much about this. Uh, Reb Moshe Taku, the author of a very interesting and unusual Sefer called Ktav Tamim, Moshe Taku, some kind of a work on not some kind of work on divine form, and is it is it literal or not literal, and so on. It was all oh, Reb Moshe Taku, very unusual. He was a Godel Bator. He was the Rav of Regensburg. He wrote Tosis to uh, the Dharam in Regensburg that got lost. The Orzarua quotes him as a major Baal Halacha. And he has a whole discussion about Cherem HaYishuv. How do you allow people in and out of towns? Again, without the Orzarua, we wouldn't know anything about it. Um, again, uh, moving to a, a sort, sort of a different genre. The Orzarua is the one who quotes. He doesn't say it himself. He quotes a Raphaim of Bonn. Raphaim of Bonn, learnt with German baleatosis, is a big bulky in Piut and in Hilchos Tfila. Raphaim of Bonn tells the story about the Sanatokev, not in every detail, and that's not the only story version that we have, but the Orzarua says, and I saw this story about the Sanatokev and Rabbi Amnon and a little bit of, again, We've discussed this a little bit. There's a lot more to say, but he says, Miktaviado shall Rabbi Ephraim of Bon. He says, I saw it in his handwriting. Again, nowhere else do we have that kind of a uh, of a, of a um, validation. Um, he quotes at one point uh, Rabbi Ephraim of Regensburg, who had a halom about the kashras of a fish. Again, we have one other version of this, the so-called barbuta. Is it a sturgeon? Is it a something? It's something where the scales fall off, where the scales, something happens with the scales. In northern France, Rabbeinu Tam and Rashbam ate it, and apparently Rashi did too. Not a sturgeon. Don't, don't, nobody run out. They're not, not Paskin and Shilas here. But some kind of a fish is Balbuta, Barbuta, and he records there, I think in the name of Yerachos, that Rabbi Ephraim of Regensburg, who was a student of Rabbeinu Tam, said one day, listen, if it's good enough for the Rebbe, it's good enough for me. He said, let's eat the fish. Good. He has a dream that night in which he has a Gilu Yahu, a beautiful, the beautiful Hadras Ponim appears to him, a tzaddik with a long, a, a long white beard and a long flowing, it looks beautiful. And he, in the dream, he gives him a plate of uh, shrutzim and he basically says to him, Es mein Kind. And by the way, this is a talky dream. This is not just something he thought of. He's having a Shmuas with Elio. Yeah. And he says, S, S, you know, eat this stuff. And Ephraim of Regenberg in the dream says, wait a minute, that's a tray. If I can't eat this, I, I wouldn't touch this stuff. Basically, the figure says, well, that's about as kosher as what you allow today. So Ephraim of Regensburg wakes up and he said, he, according to one version, he breaks the plates, but he says, whoever doesn't eat this fish, tovel of bracha. Again, 
story in the Orzeruah. Now, that also leads to the Orzeruah, we'll talk about this in a moment, I'm sure, but he's waiting for this. The Orzeruah will have certain humras where he, in effect, will say, we'll talk about why this. But again, some of that is simply German Bali Hatosvas, especially those who have some connection to Hasidic Ashkras. So we get tight halacha, we get these stories. It's a gold mine here. If you let me, I'll go over to one more. Uh, uh, um, to some of his French uh, a collection here, if you will. Um, again, we have Rabbeinu Tam and rematerial that Orzarur preserved that he got from his Rebbe Rebbe Silion. He's sitting in Paris. They've got all the Torah of Rabbeinu Tam and Re. They're the successors, right? And he's copying it all down. He's referencing it as, a, I mean, you know, only 24 hours in a day, but somebody managed to do this. What I want to highlight is we have material from Rabbi Shimshon Mishantz, Shimshim Shans was the Rees star Talmud. He's responsible for the Tosfas Shans. He was, again, a great, himself a great putter together of Tosfas, but of Tosfas. The Orzrua has all kinds of stuff from Rashmi Shans that we know from nowhere else. And something else, again, we always want to say what's important for Long Day Torah. There's a Tosfas in Erev in Dafayim Beis. Tosfas there talks about rooms in a house what needs a mezuzah, and not just what needs a mezuzah, more than that, really deeper than that. Uh, if you have boarders living in your house, can they rely on your on your Eruv? They have to make their right. In other words, what happens in a hotel? What happens in, a, in an apartment building, right? So basically, Tosteh goes through and talks about, yes, there are Bachrim living there. They sat with, there are Malamdim living there. There are others living there. Anyway, it's clear from Tosteh, but clearly we don't have the whole story. If you open up the Or Zeruah on this issue in Hilcha Shabbos, he gives you the entire Rosh Mishan's Tosfus, Mila Bim Mila Bim Lo Ah. So now you'll say, well, how do I access this? The answer is you have to, the Orzo, that's the problem. You have to kind of flip through and see where you are, but you'll be rewarded because this Tosfus, this piece that he does in much fuller detail, you wouldn't find it really anywhere else. Similarly, uh, you know, past in Yonah Diyoma, um, lighting Nero Shabbos, uh, Nero's Hanukkah, Erev Shabbos, before Shabbos Licht, after Shabbos Licht. So most hold like the Bahag, you must like the Shabbos Licht first. Again, question of men, women, who's Makabo Shabbos, where? There was a sheet that the tour mentions, Beshem Tosfis, that there's a sheet to which holds, especially if men are lighting it, they're not Makabo Shabbos with that locker, so they can light the Hanukkah Licht afterwards, right? It's a Gemara about what they would do after Shabbos Licht. There was still little malachas they could do. Again, the men, not the women, not Paschal Halachs here. Uh, the preacher there says, the preacher says, I'm sorry, same, but Yagatiyu Matsasi I looked through all the Tosas. I know what the tour is talking about. Avu is that is them tasteless. He doesn't know, right? <laughs> he suspects that there must be some other Tosas because he's the Prishadrisha. But if you look in the Orzarua, he's got a langa arichas on this in the name of the Rashmi Shans. It's clear that this was a Tosas Shans that we don't necessarily have but the Orzeruah preserves it. And if you understand that the tour's father, the Rosh, uh, based his Tosa Rosh on Tosa Shans, it's very obvious that we're dealing here with a cat on Tosa Shans, which the Orzeruah has. So he fills in all these gaps in a remarkable way. There's a Misa that he quotes from the, from the Rosh Mishans. He says, in our Shechuna, right, by Shechuna Shalanu, it was Epesa Goyesh Ekint, a fa- I don't know, it's a foundling, a one-year-old child, in Episcene, I don't know exactly why there were no parents. Somehow, I don't know if it's an adoption, it's not clear, but there's Mamisha case. You wouldn't believe it unless you saw it, 
where they want to give him a bris milah. In other words, he's going to be raised by Jews. And the problem was he was a little bit gemalt. They did something. To do a mila on a one-year-old is not the same to do on an eight-year-old baby. They go to the Moila Mumchin, they'll tell you if a kid can't have a bris sometimes because of some medical delay, to do a bris on a, a six-month-old, a one-year-old, you need a bigger, bigger Mumchin. You need certain Moila more experts than that. The Rashmi Shan said, we have to look around to find the Moil. Nishtazai Poshit. Again, this Misa is not known from anywhere else. Uh, we wouldn't know where this Misa is. So again, he's sitting on a tremendous, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, amount of material is a psak of Rashmi Shans. Rashmi Shans says it's all French. Mishum haramoim because of people playing tricks. We don't accept the taina. Two baledina going to a dintora. One says, "I want to go to the best nagodel," and I'm holding out for a hill and shamai or their equivalent. So what do we do? We pull our hair out. We got to throw. We got a lake. Where, where, where do we go? We don't know where to go. He says, "No, no business. If there's a if there's a sufficient lamdin in your town." That's where you go. No more of this. That's a gewaldig psak from the Rashmi Shans, only recorded in the Orzaroa. I'll give you two more such examples. Then you could ask more questions. I have more things to say anyway. I, you know me. You have to, you have to direct me here. Um, he quotes um, uh, on the general history side, if you will. We know that in 1215, the fourth Lateran Council, not the lateral, but the Lateran, a church council, among their other Xeris, uh, said that Jews have to wear a yellow badge. Okay, we have some sign. So the, we know that it wasn't really enforced that strictly. It, it you know, it ran its course because they keep saying later, oh, do it again. It means they weren't really, the, the general population was not mocked. You know, it's, uh, you know, the question of what the government makes rules, do you follow them or not? Anyway, they were not following it, but... The Rashmi Shans and Hilchah Shabbos says, and he got to, to France somewhere around 12, after 1215, 1217, 1218, basically. They're talking in Hilchah Shabbos. He said, we were clearing, how do we attach this ofan? This, he doesn't say why. We have to put a simon on our begotten, and we have to go on the street with it. So we have to not just clip it on, you know, it's like the Shabbos keys. We have to sew it on. What's a sufficient sewing that we shouldn't be over Hilchah Shabbos? Meaning, I once told this to a general, a great general historian. I said, I have evidence for you that at least some Jews were aware of it. He says, where? I tell him this halachic work. He thinks I'm out of my mind. I said, they're declaring how to put, probably was, how to put this sign on their begotten kifi ha Meaning, so even though it wasn't a terrible gzaira, it got, fell by the wayside, He's sitting there right at that time, and he's telling this us this Agavorcha. He's telling us this is part of Hilcha Shabbos. And finally, on this round, um, he quotes from his Rebbe, the Rashbi, the Sar Mikutsi, right? He's called Reb Shimshon Mikutsi, one of the Re's absolute youngest Talmudim. He calls him the Sar because the Rash is the Rashbi Shan. So we unscramble it. The Sar Mikutsi, he learned, uh, he heard the Messorah that Rabbeinu Gershom had a son who may have been shmarted and so on. And Rabbeinu Gershom Paskin, he has to sit Shiva 14 days from Miriam. That's how it's a Geval to get Sarah. Again, that Messorah, and there's discussion about it. Rabbeinu, there's earlier discussion, there's later discussion, but that Messorah is sitting there right in the Orzor. So bottom line, halachos we don't know from elsewhere. Tosis pieces we don't know from elsewhere. Not just Maiselach, but real important Maserav and Masib Shahayu from Germany, from France. He's got it all. So that's what makes the Orzarua, in my to my mind, uh, such an important safer. Again, the problem is you have to read through. You have to really start to you know train yourself. If I'm learning 
Masachas Brachas, so his Hilchas Brachas, even though it doesn't go exactly in the order, his Hilchas Brachas will parallel. Same Shabbos, same Erevin, same Moadim, and we'll talk about the structure of the Sefer now and some of his own Shidushim in a second, but they ask me what you want to ask me at this point. Adkan Hakafa Aleph, or I don't know, maybe Hakafa Benis. Yeah, I think that's really, really the next question is really the, the structure of the Sefer, and we'll get to the Publication history, I should really... Yes, I'm getting it. Okay, I'll let you wait till I'll tell when it was published. But I will say, but talk about the... the first, let's talk about the structure of the safe right. and how it's organized. And and also, I mean, you mentioned this in brief. I think you keep mentioning this. So I think, how does it differ from the Mordecai? After the last episode, we talked about the Mordecai being... Very, very good. Okay. Okay. So let's, so let's review the Mordecai, and then we'll get into this. We don't ask questions, but if the audience wants to volunteer, they remember the answer. That's good. I have to tell you, one of my doctorantim, I was saying something in class, and I asked a question, and somebody gave a good answer, and I said, uh, how do you know that? And he said, oh, I heard it on your Mordechai podcast. So even the young professional doctorantim are learning from the podcast. So this is not only for the... Uh, Devoted uh, people who are listening from your audience, apparently even my students are listening. So I have to make sure I'm giving good information. Now, um, for many reasons, the Mordechai, of course, goes Lefi HaMasechtos, which is one of its valuable points, right? Yeah, I'm giving sure now I'm Bava Basra. I'm sitting with the Mordechai and I'm bringing out for the Shir all kinds of interesting things that you're not going to find in the Tos on the spot and so on and so forth, and maybe not even in the Shittim Kubetz. So on the one hand, it's very easy to use the Mordechai. On the other hand, as we discussed last time, it's Humongous is not the word. It's beyond humongous. In other words, every Masechta is an Otsar Balu. The Orzarua is trying to, he's earlier, and again, he's arguably got, quote-unquote, somewhat less material, but nonetheless. The Orzarua basically organizes his own organization for Shulchan Aruch. It's the same kind of an idea, just in different ways. And again, the point is that even though he's got French connections, in a positive sense, and German connections, this is a German Sefer. It's a big discursive Sefer. He writes a lot and he goes from topic to topic, but he organized it topically. Now, what I was thinking, how can I characterize it? I would say like this if we define Orachayim, you know, in Tur and Shulchan Aruch, what is Orachayim? Things that must happen on some day of the year, things that happen every day, things that happen only on Shabbos, things that happen only on Purim. But basically, Orachayim is Isser Veheter or Hanhogos, you know, Bitzvos that must come up during the year, right? What's Yoridea? The rest of the Isurim and Mitzvos that can come up during the year. If you don't eat meat, you don't need shechita. But if you do, you know, it, hopefully you won't be a novel at a certain period. And uh, not everybody's a malva beribis. Not everybody has a yayanes of shayla, right? Not everybody has a hilfznita shayla. So I can marry, so on and so forth. Okay. The Orzarua does something like that, only a little differently. Basically, the Orzarua, as he constructed it, has four halakim as we have it. It's three, four, but let's stick with that kind of sort of three halakim model. And when we get to the published editions, you'll see exactly where this goes. The first chalak is what I would call um, halachos that could happen any day of the year. So how does those, how do those start out? So you start. Hilchas Tzedakah, which, by the way, is again part of his, what do I front load on my Sefer, right? Hilchas Tzedakah and Shulchan is in your idea, because maybe you have no money by you, maybe you have no money. You don't know. Could I give Tzedakah every day except Shabbos? Yes. Hilchas Tzedakah, Hilchos Brachos, Hilchos Tfilah, Hilchos Shechita, right? And as he goes into other topics. Uh, Hilchos Nida is in the first Chalak. This is not the exact order. Hilchos Gitten 
And agunos is in the first chilek. Why? Because these are things that com- could come up any day at any time. So it's basically what we call sort of, I don't want to call it common halachas that could happen every day, but it really, as he's got Evan Ha'ezah stuff, he's got Kedushin too, because these are things that you, again, except for Shabbos, these are things you could have to worry about any day of the week, any, you know, theoretically, maybe not Cholamai, whatever it is, most days of the year. The next chilek is the chilek of Moadim, right? Those are days that only can come up at certain times. Now, he happens to put Beis HaKnesses and Kriyas HaTorah into Shabbos and Moadim, but that's not so silly. That's That makes a lot of good sense. Then he goes, he also puts Avelus in that section, probably again, Moed of a different type. So that's his basic order. Again, the, the you know, I didn't do all the topics that I gave you in the exact order he gives them, but that's the base. But he does the topics a lot, kefi seder hamasechos, at least in a broad way, usually. So at least you have some sense. Hilchashab is but again, you can see, especially with the additions that we have, you can see where he's going. So you can start to look. And there, and by the way, there are maftechas too, and the maftechas are pretty detailed. What that leaves is the last chalik, which I call Hilchos Nezikin. Those are the pisk, and those he goes with Masechta. Those are also gigantic Masechtas, right? Hilchos Bavakama, Hilchos Bav Metzia, Piske, I should say. Piske Bavakama, Piske Bav Metzia, Piske Bav Basra, Piske Avodazara, Piske Sanhedrin, Piske Shavuos, Damarno. So that's, so again, it's, it's meant to be utilitarian. However, it is very hard to control it. And so, for example, one of his own chidushim, which is picked up by the Ramo and Yeridea, has to do with making a bracha after shechita. What happens if I shech the behemah, and I forgot to make the bracha, and now the behemah is geshacht? So the Ram says, over lasiyasan, over shechitaso, botle brekaso, right? I just made that up, right? No bracha, sorry, you know, akosh bracha, forgive you, but sorry. And the Ramoa in Yeridea Simenyu test says, nope, not eight hours later, but if the Gishach to the Behemoth bleibt there, you can make al hashchit. It becomes a kind of birkas hashavach. Now, the truth is, the Orzaru, as far as I can tell, gets it from his Rebbe, the Ravia, but that's okay. The Ravia was a gewaldige mechadesh in Hilchos Brachos. I'll write about that another time. I have it planned. But in any case, uh, things that are unbelievable. Um, in any case, uh, so that's the Orzarua in the middle of Hilchashchit, and that's the problem. He has a section on Hilchus Brachas. The Orzarua, for example, holds like the Rivet against the Rambam. Again, the Rivet is over Lasiosan, Birkas Kedushin before. Birkas, everything's before, before, before. The only thing not before is a gear coming out of the mikvah. Okay. The Rivet says, for example, no, and we do different things, right? Hilchus Erison must be after because, and Hilchus, the Bracha and Mila, some of the Bracha must be after. Why? Basically, if it if, if it's your body doing the Maisa Mitzvah, so it's not, you know, kind of a Bracha Shebaguf, you can make it before, over Lasiosim. But the moment you have another habeas corpus, another body involved, right? I don't want to make a joke, but the Kala could come to the Chuppah and say, uh, excuse me, uh, I want to rethink this. So he made the Birkas Kedusha before, and she's uh, thinking about it again. If she decides five days later, it's okay, he's still in trouble. So we wait till she accepts the Kedushin, then we make it. Same thing with Mila. The baby's involved. The Moel, you know, it's not it's not Bidei HaMoel. It's not like he's putting filling on his arm. Anyway, that's the Rivet Shita. The Orzara holds the same way in four different places. In other words, you have to look in all kinds of Hilchos Brachos contexts to put it all together. 
So that's one of the chasronos that you sometimes have to put pieces together. You don't get the full picture till you look at all the different pieces. And he doesn't always tell you that. So again, that's the discursiveness. So in that sense, less easy to use than the Mordechai, which goes daf by daf literally. But on the other hand, it's a lot shorter of a safer. I mean, you have to, you know, again, you have to get used to it. You have to wade in and, you know, start with sugas. I would say if you're learning, anybody's learning in the, in the, in the Zikin, take a look. You'll see things you wouldn't see anywhere else. If you're learning in Yonah Yorachayim, take a look. You'll see, find it close enough. So that's the basic structure. And that's the comparison to the, uh, to the safer Mordechai. Um, by the way, again, uh, it's now Rosh Chodesh Ador. Uh, Pesach is around the corner, right? Rashi says, What's the Rashi on Tainus? We're not just happy for Purim. We're holding by Pesach. The Orzerua has an unbelievable source. He's got the Perush of Reb Shmuel Falez. Reb Shmuel Falez, great Balhatos, Reb Shmuel Falez. Uh, um, uh, a, a very important uh, French palatosis in the first part of the 13th century, very involved in Tosavorazara, who gives us a Givaldiga Perush, Perush Hilchati, to the Piyot. I think it's Simon Rachel involved in Chelek Beis, I'm not wrong, mistaken, but anyway, uh, Ranu, it's not by accident, um, to a Piyot of Rabbi Yosef Tovelem. Rabbi Yosef Tovelem wrote a Piyot, a Yotzer for Parshas, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, Shabbos Agorl where he goes in poetic fashion, he goes through the Gansi Hilchus Pesach. Except you need a, you need a real Lamdan to tell you what, what she holds. And Rabbi Shmuel Fuzz go line by line, everything from B'dikas Chometz to Kashering to the entire Seder. He goes through Halacha by Halacha, and he gives you what the Shittas are, how he holds. The Orzaroa incorporates this entire thing into his Sefer. It's not the Orzaroa, it's Rabbi Shmuel Fuzz. But he's a quoter. There are a few places where what Shlomi Fales says actually disagrees with something the Orzor says doesn't bother him. Somebody wants to learn the Inyone Pesach well in the Rishonim, treat yourselves to Rav Shlomi Fales. And by the way, uh, Rav Tziner, Nute Gavriel, the Gvaldik Aposek Rav Tziner, published a separate volume where he has this um, Perush from other Kisveyad. You could knock yourself out. You could learn a Gansahil's Pesach very, very well from the Rishonim. But it's the Orzarur who brought this to the public. And what's also amazing is I don't think Rabshomi Falez was more than 10 years older or so, or 50, than the Orzarur. He's got that in there. He somehow was able to put it into a safer. I don't know how he did this, but he was able to do it. So this is again, these are some of the what I'll call the advantages, right? He actually quotes the smog once, the Orzaru I found. The smog is an exact contemporary, but I think maybe they were both in the base marriage together sitting by Rebuta Silion. Maybe what the smog said when he was a when he was a young Eloi. So he's got it down. I remember in Yeshiva days, I'm not sure. He doesn't, who ain't no Megalev. It's Ramosh Vikutsi. It's not somebody else. It's his words. So he was, he was awake 27 hours a day putting in all these things. Um, uh, uh, I will talk about his Hilchas Nida HaFokas in a second. Let me first, yeah, we can't we can't do without that. But by the way, you heard me already. Never mind the Chumr Hilchas Nida, which I'll get to. Uh, how about the Kul and Hilchas Brachas? In other words, you have to take him, the Kul is with the Chumras, but we'll talk about that in a very serious way in a second. Just about the additions. So the Orzarua, again, in Yonah the Yomel, it's Harav, the first parts of the Orzarua, parts one and two, the way he put it together, the way it was put together, published in Jitamir, that's in Ukraine, in 1862. For a long time, it was not available. Dachzichmir, I was not able to check this, but Dachzichmir 
both the Arach HaShulchan and the Mishnah Brewer in Hilchah Shabbos say, Oh, Zachinu, Echab Gefin in the Or Zaruah, again, they're writing, the Mishnah Brewer dies in 1933, the Arach HaShulchan dies in 1918, you know, 1862, it's not been out for hundreds of years. We, we got a hold of the Or Zaruah and Hilchah Shabbos, we, we solved some problems here, right? So uh, it's a relatively late cipher. Luckily, we have it. The Trumas Hadeshen, who lived in the 15th century, has lots of Orzarua. He still had lots of pieces. And I talked about this once before, I think, in passing. When the Shah wants to find an Orzarua, what does he do? He's before 1862. He dials up the Trumas Hadeshen. And so does the Ketzos. So they know the Orzarua too. Derech, somebody like the Trumas Hadeshen. But most of you can get it in Jitimir. Also, by the way, the Orzarua is the second most popular. It's 1A and 1B. Uh, citation in the Hagos Ashri. The Hagos Ashri cites the Maharich, Reb Chizki of Magdeburg, who sat with the Orzerua and Abesden together. He was younger. The Orzerua had a problem with him when he was young. He was a chazan. They didn't want to rehire him. His father was a chazan. Orzerua got involved. But anyway, they, they sit together in the uh, Hagos Ashri. You'll see lots of Orzeruas. You'll see lots of Maharichs. So there are references, but we really don't get the addition until then. Zachinu bishanim ha'achronot, we've really been zochem. Two different editions of the Orzarua have been published in recent years. The one that's easier to use, and I would recommend, since it's the only one that has the entire Orzarua that we have so far, is the one that I'm not getting, I'm not a paid spokesman. Uh, the one that I have here sitting in my house, Machon Yerushalayim, in I think uh, uh, 2010 Liminyonim, a very nice edition. It, it clarifies the text. By the way, the Mordechai we talked about, terrible Kisvayad problems, terrible print problems till came along Machon Yerushalayim. The Orzara wasn't as bad Lechatchila, but again, Machon Yerushalayim makes it gleich. They separate the Simonim well. They do refer to Kisvayad. I'll talk about the Kisvayad in a second. Um, it's, they've got very nice footnotes, and it's Shimushi, as they say in Israel. It's very user-friendly, and it's, you know, it, it doesn't fool around. It goes piece by piece by piece. The, the, the Horus are not miles long. They're, they're Lainyan and so on and so forth. There is also, the, the Orzara was started by a Hezder Yeshiva called Oretzion. Not Haretzion, Oretzion. And the Oretzion Hevra did a, an exceptionally thorough job. with all the possible Maramakomos. The problem was it took them a yovel and a mitvach to put out pieces because they were giving it ad hasof. A little bit like the Machon Yerushalayim. The first times of the Mordechai, they went ad hasof, took them years, and they ended up with a handful. Or Etzion is still going. I think about four or five krachim have come out. Uh, we have it in our YU library. I was there at Sorol last the other week. They have it in the National Library of Israel. You can't find it everywhere. It's worth looking at. If you ever have a problem in Orzerua and they publish that section, go right there. They work the Kisveyad issues out completely. There are some great horrors there in terms of what the Orzerua meant and so on. But between these two editions, we have no problem. Um, the problem with the Kisveyad, interestingly, is the Mordechai, the problem is there are too many Kisveyad. Which ones do you use? The Orzerua, there are too few. You know, about two and a half kisvayad, maybe three and a half, depending on how you count. The problem is that there are some parts of the Orzeru where we only have one ketaviyad. That's not good. In other words, we'd love to have chafifa so you can compare. We don't have that. That makes it more challenging. Although I have to say that the Professor Tashva Alav HaShalom many years ago found pieces of the Orzeru's chuvas and other things in what he calls ketaviyad Cincinnati. 
He's a Ktaviyad, Cincinnati, not the Cincinnati Reds, right? Uh, but Cincinnati in Hebrew Union College in Cincinnati. They had Kisvayad, Jewish Kisvayad. They had sitting there, Cincinnati 154, pieces of Orzara. So we can hope, who knows where the next piece is and what terrible it is, but maybe there are other pieces that we'll yet have. But at this point, uh, you know, th- these are the best editions that we uh, that we have. And the Mahon Yushalayim is very shiny. They publish it in three, you know, not gigantic volumes, a little bit like the Mordechai. They're wavy, but you can carry all three at the same time. Yeah. I, I I'm yeah. going to jump in. Yes, the Mahoney Shalim, it's red in three volumes. I, right. I, I don't want to say prices so much because inflation and everything, but it's around $100, three volumes. The Aretzion, so interestingly, one of the volumes that they have it here, Adam Zroy has Mahoney Shalim's logo as well. They did it in conjunction or something. No, so they, start, they started together, but Mahone, they agreed to disagree because it'll take them, you know, 100 years. Not 100, but it'll take them, right. So there's a few volumes of, of the Arizona. They, right. Like you said, they're hard. They're hard to get. Um, but the, the footnotes and things much more extensive if right. you want. So those you can. But the Mahoney Slime is widely available. Right. And then also, I I still think even they may even sell that old three volume, the old print. You know, the original. It, well, it's in the old one. Yeah, the Jitter, which by the way is usable. It's 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 as I say. I I don't mean this personally, but it's better than some of the Mordechai's that are in the back of the shots. It's readable. It's usable. They've done a new photo offset. It's a smaller size. That's basically uh, Arba Shem Stein. It's four parts of the Orzaroa in two volumes. So, yeah, uh, I walked into a farm store here in Tinek, a new farm store. In fact, I think it's got a Lakewood connection, but that's whatever, a couple of years ago. And I walked in and I saw on the shelf the three-volume Orzaroa, and I bought it. I said immediately, I said, this is a wonderful farm store. They said, well, how do you know? I said, because if you have that Orzaroa there and the price was less than 100, I said, it's going to have Hatzlach. Anyway, so if you see a three-volume Orzaroa, Right. It, unless the price has been inflated severely beyond what you suggest, uh, it's a wonderful Purim present or Pesach present or Bar Mitzvah present or whatever present you think. Yeah, actually, I think it used to be less than 100. It could be you still could come across. I'm just throwing out like a rough estimate around there. Now, right. what about the – so I want to ask you two questions about the publication, though. So, I mean, nope. do you know, who, what was the story that it was published in Shetomer in 1862? I mean, they were usually there. It was Hasidish as far as not necessarily uh, – and, and, and From what I – from yeah. yeah. Okay, go ahead. From, from what I can tell – uh, the answer is simply, Jitamir was a very big Jewish press at that time. Jitamir was cranking out material. So again, even if you're mostly publishing Hasidic material, you know, Mikau is Aruba. As I say, the, the Achronim know who he is. You know, in other words, uh, it's A1 quality here. So uh, I, I suspect that's what happened. You know, it's either, either that or some Yodaya Sefer, my connections to Jitamir said, you should do this. But that's, that's you know, it's not being published in some place that never published Sfarim. You know, they, they somehow fell onto an Orzarua. So that's, I think, the answer. Right. Now, the second point is you mentioned this offhand, but just to, to, to you know, emphasize, did Rishayim, later Rishayim and the early Achrayim, did they have it? Did they use it? Was it quoted? So again, so that's the problem. Not as much as it could have been. As I say, the Trumas Hadeshen, who's in the 15th century, quotes the Orzarua a ton. And the Trumas Hadeshen, obviously very important. There are more quotes the Orzarua. I gave you one example. I'll give you a couple more. He quotes, I think, about 10 or 15 times, not a million times, but he quotes it with some, uh, with some uh, you know, frequency. Uh, again, the Shach knows the Orzarua. The Bach knows the Orzarua. Again, at least they know Shitos. Um, uh, the Ktos knows the Orzarua, if you look. But with the point that you're making, we've talked about this before. Those Sfarim, it's like the Ravia. 
who quotes the Ravia before it's published in the 20th century, you know, late 19th, early into the 20th century? Not as many as could. The Orzru, again, is a little better because it, it had been cited by earlier uh, authorities very frequently. But the answer is it's not as involved as uh, uh, it could have been. The difference does that raise the question that we discussed in a prior podcast, I think, right? When you find, quote unquote, new svarim, what's their weight? Except again, I think the Orzaru, as I say, from that Mishnah Brewer and that Arach HaShulchan, they thought the Orzaru was Kazeh Bar Samcha Bein Arishonim. They bought him hook, line, and sinker. In other words, the fact that he was missing for a while, they considered him, you know, absent with an excuse, absent with a with a, with a teretz. Uh, it wasn't his fault. Um, but, but bottom line, he's not quoted every day. Again, I'll make the same distinction I remember when we talked about it then. For learning, you can't you can't move it out. To, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you shouldn't move without looking at the Orzarua if you can. For halacha, the poskim may have different views. By the way, I'll throw out another juicy tidbit, which I won't talk about now. If the Minchas Chinuch had the Orzarua, boy, could he have solved a lot of his hakiris. Oh, boy. It's great minds thinking alike. I have notes on this, but in any case, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's remarkable. In other words, the Orzarua, because he's got so many different sheetas in there, you can clear across a series of things and come up with, I, I, I you know, at one point I was giving him the chesinish, and I said, uh, we got to get the chesinish of the Orzarua. But anyway, he, he didn't have it. So that's, uh, that's the problem. Yeah. Okay, now I think we should go back to the thing, the one uh, of one of the, the, the maybe the most famous Urzaro, the one that was was quoted, the one that everybody knows, right, it right. was the Yamakber. But let's talk about the right. Oina. So, like, so, like, and again, we're not asking how here and Shaila's here at all, we're just commenting on it. So, Ona Hasmuchala Ona, right? In other words, the separation uh, as the uh, prior month's date for the Nida is coming up for the uh, for the married couple, right? So, the Urzaroa has a Humra. To separate earlier on the following month. Okay, and the question where he gets it from, and for example, um, uh, and by the way, he he says it's a humra, <laughs> and he basically says, uh, you know, tavo bracha more or less, which the Bach picks up again. The Bach knows it. The Shach Kedarko tries to prove it in the Gemara, because again, the question is where is he getting it from? So Lule de Mistafina. I believe the Orzarua is getting this because he has other examples, which I'll give you in a second, from a mocker called Bryce of the Maseches Nida. Bryce of the Maseches Nida is a very unusual source. It's associated with the Hechalos. It's a, a treatment of Hilchas Nida, which treats Hilchas Nida both in terms of Iser Veheter and in terms of Tum of Atara. Right. So, in other words, if you take, for example, Hilchas Nida, the Marashah is like this. We observe Hilchas Nida, Yaradeya, Isavaheter. Right. We don't really consider the Tomb of Atara issues. We go according to the lines of Isavaheter. But the truth is that there are issues of Tomb of Atara as well, where there might be certain Chumras. Right. Marashah makes this point in terms of what the Chazak is and so on and so forth. This Bryce of the Masachas Nida says, or you know, argues as an as a overall principle, that the tomb of Atara aspect is critical, and I'll put it as positively as I can, because it's meant to be positive. The same way that we make Harchokis in Hilcha Shabbos, you know, the Rabbonans, to stay away from Malacha, and the same way that we make Abizrayu Davor Zara sometimes very extensively, they don't argue with this formally, to stay away from, God forbid, in Yonah Avor Zara, 
Kach, we make tremendous harchakos, which the Gemara has uh, many of them, but we make more, right? Uh, uh, you know, siagna Torah to avoid the problem, God forbid, inadvertently of Nida, right? Because there is Sakana involved, there's Tuma involved, there's Sakana involved, not, not boogeymen, but this is a this this is a halacha. And by the way, I'll say it, Hamira Sakanta Mesur. And that Bryce the Masachas Nida has that happening in a number of places. The Orzarua himself in one place, it's in Chelek Aleph Simon Shin Samach, you could look it up, says where he's talking about Harchok is about handing things husband to wife and so on. He's going through many examples and about sleeping arrangements and Chahena Vechadome. He says that Kol Masha Odom or Masha Nucha Lachachmir Benida Yachmir, the more to marry the Chumras. Right, and later in that same Simmons says the problem here with Anishamati mitam sakona. Now he's trying to protect his readers, and that I think is what's underlying the 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 the, the owner owner. In other words, it and that's why. So the shach kedarko bakodesh wants to make it a gemara. The Bach says. It's a chumrah, but what kind of chumrah is it? It's a chumrah based on this kind of Bryce the Masechus Nida, based on the spiritual sakona issue that's related to Inyan Nida, and I think that's where he's getting it from. By the way, the Orzerua talks about at great at some length, quoting other shittas. There's only one sheet that's really makel. Women not, so to speak, looking at a safer Torah, but many do some certainly not holding. Min hadin, min hadin, min hadin, min hadin in your day, I'm not passing Shilas. Could a woman touch a safer Torah? Medina, the Yoridea, Lachorias, again, Chabarabah, but there might be room to that. But once you put in the Hilchasnita aspect, forget it. Coming into shuls, that's why the Ramo has to say in our right? right? For Yaman no Roy and for other important houses, let the women in. If there be a Buna, we can't, it's not nice. To, the women are going crazy. They want to come to shul to Davin. The Orazarua is, this is one of his Zinyonim. And I think, now by the way, just to show you, not all Rishonei Ashkenaz agree. And I actually have some of this. I don't want to sell my books, but my peering through the Lattice's book, I have a lengthy discussion of all of this toward the end of chapter two, for those who have it. Um, um, the Ra'avon, Rebbe Nason, the leading German Balhatosis at the time of Rabbeinu Tam, earlier than the Orzeruah, he cuts down the reliance on Bryce of the Masechus Nida. He says, let's go you know, stricter halacha. Let's not have some of these humors, which again, Polskim can do that. Gedolim can do that. But that seems to be the 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 source of this, uh, you know, or a source. So again, as I said earlier on the talk, right, uh, you know, how much chasidut Ashkenaz or that kind of thing gets integrated in the halacha? Does it get integrated as halacha? Does it get integrated as prishut for chasidut? Right? But the Orzerua has this. This is the most famous example and the most uh, you know known example, but it happens in other places. By the way, the Sefer Okeach has this too, of course, or Blazer Okeach has something about this. And people should take a look just to get the Indian. If you look at the Ramban on uh, in, 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 in Bracious, where, where, where Rachel says to her father, Derech Nashimli, the Ramban talks about the Sakona. Again, not God forbid boogeyman. No, 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 we should get nervous. But in other words, the Sakana Ruchanis, 
that can be generated by Inyone Nida and, and you know, Dail Hakim Ibaramiza. Again, Hamira Sakanta Misur. The Ramban, by the way, also was very partial to the Bryce and Masechas Nida. Again, as a Makubal, but nonetheless. So that's, I think, a lot of what's happening here, in my humble opinion. And uh, again, we'll hear, we'll see if we hear from our fo- friends whether people agree or disagree. In any case, and by the way, on the other hand, again, just like we had the cooler about brachas, about the brach after the shrita, on the other hand, there are more quotes at the very end of Hilchus Yom HaKippur, the last summit, right before building the sukkah, I think it's Kafresh Chav Dalit, there are more quotes from the Or Zarua, Machlokes Rishonim, don't get nervous, whether you're German Rishonim, German Chachomim, whether you fast two days Yom Kippur, Sveik of the Yom. Don't get nervous, it'll be fine. Rabbi Yudah, and the Or Zarua says, my Rebbe, Rabbi Yudah Chosid, fasted two days. My Rebbe, Rabbi Simcha Mishpira, fasted only one day. And I'm learning from him, one day, Mishum Hasakone. It's dangerous to fast two days. That's, you have to be, you have to be Superman. So again, my point being here too, he's very sensitive to Sakone and Halacha, Hein Lechumra, Hein Lekula. So my point is we should not take this one psak of the Orzoa out of context. If we put in all this background material, it begins at least to a large extent to make more sense. I think part of the problem that the Shach has he, you know, does does he's the shach, so he wins in the shach and in the kudus hakesef to try to explain what the orzeru uh, shita uh, is api gemara. And he goes on length in the kudus hakesef. There is because it may be I don't mean beyond the gemara, but it may be you have to add in this other material from Chazal, right? Now, not every treated Bryce and Masechus the same. The orzeru was definitely a um, I would say a fan, but a consumer of this um, of this material. Yes, so that addresses that smoking question at least a little bit, I hope. And so I probably that's the most famous Ozru. I mean, are there other very famous ones that you didn't mention? Uh, again, listen, the problem is that to me now these are all famous, Baruch Hashem. But uh, uh, when I was writing my dissertation, one of the people reading it, I said, there's a famous something here. And the person wrote to me, he was himself a very knowledgeable person. Well, it's famous to you and the other three people who are interested in it. But uh, look, I mean, again, the Orzerua, and anybody who goes to learn Smicha Yeridea knows the Orzerua and Simon Yates. I mean, he know, they know that Orzerua. Again, whether I'm, we're not quotes them about 20 times. Uh, these few are the most significant. Again, I mean, uh, most people don't want to know about Yom Kippur, although it has a happy ending thanks to the Orzerua. But uh, those are among the, uh, you know, most important uh, Orzeruas. Oh, he there's a wonder, I mean, again, famous. There's a wonderful Orzerua in Hilchus Rosh Hashanah. He takes up a great length, the question again of fasting on Rosh Hashanah with Shuvah. Machlokas Geonim, Rishonim, and he gives us a Machlokas again between internal Gedole Ashkenaz, names we do know, names we don't know so well. Uh, you know, and say for Ezra, have a suda. You know, what kind of a suda, but have a good, have a yomtiv dikka sort of Rosh Hashanah dikka sauda. But he quotes a number of Baliatos who say, no, Tainus, because uh, interesting Svara, Shulchan Rabcha Reikam, right? The Karbonos for Rosh Hashanah, what this, right? One, uh, uh, one uh, for Rosh Hashanah, right? Other Yom Tom have two. Uh, anyway, very interesting Machlokas. Again, Lamaisa, there's plenty of room to be Makel, but he raises all kinds of issues that others don't, and he brings, he doesn't do it himself, because he brings it, brings it from others. He may give an opinion, but he brings it from, uh, brings it from others. 
again, the, 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 the kesem of the or zarua, not kesem with a kaf, kesem with a kuf, right? The, the, the attractiveness of the or, muksam, you know, uh, in Israeli Hebrew, if it's muksam, uh, I'm really uh, enchanted by it, uh, attracted by it. Uh, the, the kesem of the or zarua is the sheetis that he brings. And that's, by the way, Urbach has about 10 pages on the or zarua. That's it. In Balayatosis, I mean, that's a nice chunk. He says, he says, you know, most important are these this whole variegation of Rishonim, some of which we don't know from anywhere else. I, I want to bring him, by the way, I want to bring in the Orzuru on the Rambam, which is interesting, and I want to talk about his son and the Kitsur Orzuru. So let's, all right, we'll go to those two. Yeah, are we okay on time? Are we? Yeah, we're, we're perfect. And I was going to ask you about this son, Marach Orzuru, as he's known. Uh, so Bar Shekivanti, right. So let me say a word about the Rambam, which is interesting. I think I mentioned this in passing in some of the other podcasts, you know, in my strange way of thinking. I'm thinking that somehow people see connections between them, and maybe they do, and that's helpful. But in any case, it's helpful for their own uh, thinking and learning. So interesting, um, the Rambam is hardly quoted. We talked about this in Toasts and Shas, twice in the printed Toasts, very little. And we talked about it. It's not because they don't like the Rambam. It's not because of his philosophy. It's a different Gishan Halacha. It's a code. The method of picking sugis is different. There are many reasons to explain it. We talked about it then at some length. You know, I ain't sham or Tishmu sham. And one of the people who, of course, uses the Rambam is the smog. But we talked about the smog is in Spain. The smog is preaching. The smog has reasons to want to use the Rambam. All good. Amongst German Rishonim, the Orzarua is really the first one to use the Rambam a tremendous amount in halacha, not just for piyut and not just, but in halacha, in Sefer or Zerua. But there's an interesting pattern that hasn't been noticed properly. Namely, the Or Zerua quotes the Rambam about 160 times. By the way, I did that. I, the the Oretzion edition helped me. They have uh, uh, an index, right? So, I, I mean, I have to read through the whole thing, but, you know, you can check your work 160 times. 160 times, even a big Sefer, is a lot. Right, Tosas quotes Rambam twice, 160 is Hamon. But if you look at the citations, you'll find for the most part what I call onesies. One or two in Hilchas Megillah, one or two in Hilchas Pesach, one or two in Hilchas Nida. You know, he knows the Rambam, but he's not Lomit Dayanimo, as they would say in Israel. He's not, not getting involved with him. As one of my colleagues said, he doesn't, doesn't engage the Rambam so much. Okay. In three areas in the Orzarua, there is a noticeable engagement. Number one, in Hilcha Shabbos, where he quotes the Rambam all the time, all the time, Shabbos and Erevin. Two, Hilchos Gitten Vagunos. Interesting, he calls it Hilchos Gitten Vagunos. You know, it's not so much today's Aguna problems with what they did and all that stuff. It's really people who, who we don't know how to, you know, the husband disappeared. You know, God forbid, I mean, all kinds of unbelievable things. The, but they didn't work better, but they had to have all these Shilas. And in Piske Bav Metziah, from Elo Metziah to the fifth parak, you know, to, to Hazov and Hasocher, to Hezu um, uh, Neshech, um, um, right? Sort of the, the, the guts of the, of the Hilchas uh, uh, Ribis, and, um, you know, Metzio, stuff like that. And a little bit also in Hilchus and Hedra, where he quotes the Rama many, many, many times. The question is, what happened to him? And it can't be he only had the Rama's halachas here because he quotes them in many other places too. I think the answer goes as follows. Why Hilchus Shabbos? So I'll just add, the other thing that the Orzeroah quotes all the time in Hilchus Shabbos, Rashi on Shas. 
Now, you can't go wrong quoting Rashan Shas, but if you're a Sefer Halacha, what do you do with Rashan Shas? I mean, you know. And the answer is the Orzarua looked at Hilcha Shabbos, and what did he have? He had the Sefer Yerayim, a Otsar Balum, but a small Sefer, right? It's, as the Orzarua is long, that's short. You get Hilcha Shabbos, you get Malachas, you get the Rabbonans, you get something, you know, very, very brief. Sefer HaTruma, same kind of a thing. The smog, he doesn't have in front of him. The smog, the Ozura wants to write what I'll call a, a beautiful Hilchas Shabbos for Ashkenaz with all, the, with all the trimmings. Who do you turn to to write a full-fledged Hilchas Shabbos? You go to Mishnah Torah, there are 30 prakim. It's a beautiful structure, if I may say. He's got everything organized. And you, not copy, but you use that as a moraderich. And what do you use Rashi for? Because again, if you want to explain the Hilcha Shabbos, who explains Gemara is better than Rashi. So you treat it in this, not blown up way, but this in this, in this expanded way that explains Hilcha Shabbos. What about Hilchas Aguna and Gittin? So there it's not even so much how many times. In 25 Simonim, he quotes the Rambam, I think, 12 times. Like, it's like every simon, every other simon, it's unbelievable. And sometimes he poskins like the Rambam. At one point, he poskins like the Rambam against the Rajbam. It's unbelievable. At another point, he says, I'd like to pass like the Ram here. And I know he wants to be Mati the Aguna, but he's working too hard. <laughs> you know, he says, I, I'd love to, but I, right? So what's the answer? Uh, Hilchus Kedushin, he doesn't quote the Rambam, because Hilchus Kedushin, the Baal tells us no, they have the Masor Ashkenazis, they don't need any help. I don't mean it in a haughty way, God forbid. They're the Gdolim, you know, the Ramban says, you do what you want. In Hilchus Gitten, everybody can be helpful. And they held the Ram was a Lamdan. So if this Lamdan has other ways for us to get out of Gitten or to, to, to get out Agunas or to, to kasher up Gitten or pa, whatever it is, we'll use them. In other words, we need them. We use them because it's a need-to-know basis. Why? There are the way Dionim and Ashkenaz, but there's no Hilchus. Ashkenazios, right? is basically Seichel according to Hilchus Mominus. Again, you may get your sources. The Ram is a bar Seichel. He knows very nicely Dinei So again, it's an area where he can be helpful. And that, so again, just shows you how, what I would say, discerning the Orzarua was in terms of using his sources. He didn't just cite the, cite the kitchen sink. He used people as he needed them. And even the Rambam, who hadn't been used so much till then in, in, in Germany, a little bit more, but not so much, he used the Rambam. Interesting, by the way, we don't know too many Talmidim of the Orzarua. One of them was Marami Rutenberg, except Maram learned with him when he was a very young man. I think even before his bar mitzvah, maybe he was 13, maybe he was 12, maybe he was 15, the very beginning. Doesn't quote him a lot. Was not his most influential rabbi at all. His most influential rabbi were in France, because that's where people went. At that point, there was very little left in Germany. Um, but the, the Marami Rutenberg uses the Ram a lot more. I'm not saying he necessarily got it from the Orzarua, but that's when things really change. But that's the end of the period of Balatos. Um, so again, Talmidim, otherwise, we don't know much. He did have one very good Talmud. That was his son, who also learned with Marami Rutenberg. So if you learn with the Orzarua, Marami Rutenberg, so that's the shot. I mean, you're going to be now. The Orzarua, the Maharach Orzarua, why is he called? It's Moreno Harav Chaim, right? Maharach Orzarua. Uh, his middle name may have been Eliezer. Some use it, some don't use it. But anyway, why is he called the Orzarua Jr.? <laughs> the answer is because he wrote the Orzarua Jr. Namely, the son Rab Chaim had Givaldeg Kibrov, and he realized his father is Godel Shebikdolim, and he also realized that except for slightly 
nutty people like me and my students and people who are going to listen to this and big lamdonim, not me. Not everybody can go through the Orzeroa. It's too long. See long. See grace. So he wrote what's called Kitsur Orzeroa, Orzeroa HaKatsar, Piskei Orzeroa, many different titles. But basically, he distills out what I'll call, if the Orzeroa goes on for four pages, he's got eight lines. Punchlines, halachic punchlines, usually with a little hesber. In other words, not just paskin this way, paskin. Very well done. Uh, you know, the same way the Orzeru was Meirich, the Ben was Makatsu. Very helpful. You'll see it quoted in Hagos Mordechai, Olive Zion Shmechek Kuf, Orzeru Akotan Akotzer. Right? People don't know what that is. What's the Azak? It sounds like the alarm. You know, the Azak. It's the Orzeru Akotzer. Um, uh, um, uh, Rabbi Bloy, Olive Hasholem, who published the Burgundy volumes, published a number of uh, or Zerua, you know, number um, much of Marach or Zerua's material. Um, luckily for us, and most of it's in Kisveyat, luckily for us, the um, Machon Yushalayim edition of the Or Zerua has on every simon in a little inside margin, a little different type, the Kitsur Or Zerua, what the Marach or Zerua did. So you get the Hanoah, it's not all the Kisveyat, it's, it's very good, it's very, very helpful. And by the way, the Marach or Zerua also published wonderful chuvis that were issued in a very nice edition by Abiton, including some new chuvis. In a number of chuvis, they ask him, what did your father hold? You know, we're not clear, we're not clear what your father held, you know, his tabachtu barichut. I mean, they don't say it that way. It's very respectful. And the son calls the, he calls the question. He calls the question. Um, uh, Marach Wazaru also gave Drushes, where he does basically like the Sefer Achinuch, or like the Sheiltis, or like Rabbi Dekatz. He gives you basic Shabbos, Parshish, Halachas too. So the son was a very good uh, people person. He was a very good uh, Tzibur Harachav person. He really wanted to, uh, he really wanted to. So I don't think he minded being called a Marach Wazaru. That was his job. In other words, uh, uh, you know, Kar, you know, uh, the, you know he, he, the letter of the father. So that's um, that's what the Marach or Zerua does. And luckily, again, thanks to Mahon Yerushalayim, we now have much more of it than we used to have. Um, interestingly, uh, there's a master's written on the Or Zerua in Hebrew by a from fellow named Uzi Fuchs, you know, Fuchs, but they call him Fuchs in Israel, in Israeli Hebrew. In 1996, he has about 30 pages, a wonderful treat. The first 30 pages are a wonderful treatment of the Or Zerua's Rabbeim. Very beautiful. Then his manche, who I won't mention, a very great Israeli scholar, still alive, Baruch Hashem, wanted to do Yerushalmi. So the rest of the dissertation is Orzuru and Yerushalmi. Now it makes sense because the Orzuru learned with Rabbi Yehuda Sirleon in Paris, who was a big French Yerushalmi man. He had more Yerushalmi there than anybody for him. And he learned with the Ravia, whose father, Rabbi Yol and the Ravia, they got tons of Yerushalmi. So what the Orzuru does with Yerushalmi is taka worthy of a dissertation, but I wish he would have let him do his doctorate. He didn't do it. I have a doctor on who wants to work on the Orzerua, and I'm going to let him. But the truth is, we're talking about it. You need like a team. One of my colleagues in Israel says, we got to have a little machon ha because you got to cover all these different uh, angles. So we have no dissertation yet, you know, no, no book. Um, we do have, by the way, I should mention, he was my teacher, Oliver Shalom in, in Masifta. He was not my Rebbe there, but he taught me English, and he was a, he was talking and learning. Name's Rab Noah Goldstein, uh, Zal. Um, died very young. Uh, he did a, a, a DHL, I think at Yeshiva, on the Marach or Zerua, 1960. It, it's still a very good 
good work. In other words, we actually have more imprint about the Orzarua of the Marach than we do about the Orzarua himself in terms of his life. Because it's, it's also a complicated life because he also moved around the Marach and he's living in a different period. It's already a much more difficult period, but uh, but that's what we have. So we don't have a lot of English. Now, you want to read again the, Mar- the Orzarua on Tum of Atara stuff I have in my peering. And I have... Uh, the Orzarua, you know, in my book on Mishumadim, I have a ton of stuff from the Orzarua. Again, he, he, he's, got a, he's got an opinion on everything, or he's got a ket on everything where he quotes his, you know, Mikodmav. So, um, and Simcha Manuel Eretzro has written, like he wrote recently on the Kiss Valley, writes, of course, exclusively in Hebrew, almost most things in Hebrew. But um, so the, we, we need more work on the Orzarua, but you can see why, uh, you know, it's not an easy Tiger to tame, as we would say, uh, to use a phrase. Okay, so I mentioned, so the Marachar's rule, yeah, was it the Chuvas, was it's like a tall black volume? It's not around right. anymore, as far as yeah. I know. It was yeah, not around. Hard to get, hard to get. get. Maybe the old print sometimes still comes up, the old yeah. one. Well, yeah, no, hey, right, right. So I have in the house the old one, but I have access, the, the libraries have the new one, and he's got, they've got some, he's got some new Chuvas, Mikit Feyad. He also has a copy of those Droshes. There are a couple of different copies. Uh, there's one, somebody else published it separately in Eretz uh, but we have, yeah. Yeah, so 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 that not much in the in the show's notes. I'll try to link to like you said your book, Praying Through Lessons, Brothers from Afar. That's the new one, right? And then yeah. I'll put a, try to put a link to the Machon Yisraelim Israel, but it should be widely available. Three volumes read. Um, that's widely available. So you mentioned right. what there is. You mentioned so this thing you mentioned from your teacher. What do you say his name is? Goldstein. Is that Goldstein. available? People can check that out. No, you have to you have to go to the YU library and ask for it. <laughs> you don't know if it's online. You don't know if it's online. I doubt it. It was done. It was done at a time where the Hebrew writing and the you know he quoted something. He filled it in with a beautiful uh, uh, you know one of those fountain pens. In other words, <laughs> and he was very he was very masuder. If I would have done it, it would have looked like an ink stain. He did it beautifully. And I, but, yeah, I, I I checked as far as I know. I think only Machonish Shlimers. I don't think there's like an extensive hakdam on their mavo in there either. I don't think they did. No, no, no. There's no. Really about the kisveyad, kisveyad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that? The kisveyad. I think it talks about the kisveyad. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Doesn't doesn't. I mean, Urbach has a chapter again. This this masters by Uzi Fuchs. It's readable Hebrew. You do thirty pages. You know all his rebbe, and that might be somehow uh, more accessible. Uh, uh, I might even have a. I might even have a PDF. I have to look. I might even have a PDF. The question is, if I can, can I give it to you? I don't know, I have to find out who I can give it to or not. But uh, what can I say? Um, um, it's a very, uh, very interesting. Uh, I mean, again, for all okay. that we know, a lot that we don't know. Okay, so so there's that, and uh, we'll find out. And the, the list, you know, um, I'll put up what links again, whatever links I could, I'll put up in the show's notes. And uh, also, I mentioned here at the end, once we're ready to get to getting to the end for the for the listeners. Last time we did the Mordechai, this time we did the Arzarua. If there's the age of people, should email me or you, but even me if they want, you know, especially if they're interested in hearing, should we do more next episode? Should we do a halach, another halacha one or something more about this? So someone, one, one of the Mazinim, as they call them in Israel, one of the Mazinim, I think, told you that you and me may be a little bit on Baleatos ala Torah, which is a, it's, it's a, that's a yam sheyesh lo sof, but the sof is very, uh, sof covered level. That's a possibility, but I'm happy to hear from the, uh, the Mazinim. I'll do what people would like and uh what you would like so uh yeah even even because even that like i said is it just a broad about this or are we doing bahar shar one episode right 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 how to do it how to break it down yeah what is it what is it on so okay so listen i'm just throwing it out there for listeners can reach out and give you know give feedback on what they're interested in hearing about or uh you know because we have you know bali halacha we've mentioned the rabia the raiva the machzavichi the rekeach there's so many of other uh, ones that we didn't uh, get to so you know i would like to say i'm ready to go but i have to work hard so i i'm 
I'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. I mean, I, I, I'm interested in all of those, but we'll do it. We'll do it as we can. So, uh, Absolutely. He said, I want to thank you for joining me. I want to thank uh, Gluck Plumbing again. I mentioned that. Absolutely. I want to thank you for joining me once again. Thank you. And you're, I, people don't realize you are extremely well prepared. I mean, I do this. This is what I do all day and all night. Kinohara, Yashikawach, you you are, we talked, you know, a little bit on by email, whatever. Everything you asked me was something that you should have asked. In other words, how you figured it all out, I don't know. But Tavo uh, Bracha, Yashikawach, terrific. I should know as much as you, but at least I'm prepared to ask the uh, question. You're doing terrific. Baruch Hashem. All right. Everybody should have a Freilich and Purim. We should hear Yeshua's Jitamir should go back to a place where they're publishing Jewish Sfarim. That's what they should be doing, Jitamir. None of that other stuff or some other such uh, thing. Baruch should help. Okay. Amen. Okay. Thanks for joining once again. Oh, Hopefully oh. the listeners learned about the Arzurua. I hope so. Thank you. Kol Tov. Be well, everybody. Thank you.